Hi, everybody, and welcome to FYI with the FYMs, the Office of New Student Program's first official podcast. Um, my name is Neil Bradley, and I work with the Office of New Student Programs here at the University of Pittsburgh just to help new uh, Panthers transition from either high school to college or one college to Pitt. Um, our whole mission in the Office of New Student Programs is just to assist incoming first-year students and make sure that there's a space on campus where they feel comfortable asking any questions, um, getting resources, and having access to any like tips and advice that might help in that transition. So I guess before we jump into this episode, I'll just introduce myself shortly, uh, or briefly, I'll just introduce myself briefly. So like I said, my name is Neil. I'm one of four student directors in the Office of New Student Programs. Um, and we also have a team of 20 first-year mentors as well to help and act as sort of a resource agent um, for incoming first-year students. So I'm a junior environmental studies major, and I'm also getting my econ minor and sustainability certificate. And today I'm joined by Dr. Ashley Wolfgang, who um, works in the University Counseling Center and we are gonna have a discussion today on mental health awareness, mental health issues, and some resources available to students here at Pitt. Um, so to all of our listeners, anyone listening to this, obviously you'll hear it a little bit later, but we're actually recording this on um, the Thursday after self-care day. So this is definitely a topic that's been on everyone's minds recently. Um, so super important to talk about. And especially with the current virtual circumstances and everything, it's something that we wanted to touch on. Um, so with that being said, Ashley, would you like to just introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your work with the Counseling Center and I guess how you became involved? Sure, yeah. So hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Wolfgang. Um, I use she, her pronouns. Um, my official title at the, the Counseling Center is the Interim Assistant Director of Clinical Services. Um, and I'm a licensed psychologist, so I'm, I'm really heavily involved in our uh, doctoral psychology training program. Um, I've been at Pitt now for a little over a year, um, but I have been working in university counseling for about the past eight years um, in different places across Ohio and Pennsylvania. Um, so it's definitely a passion of mine. Um, and at the beginning of this semester, um, one of my goals was to, to work more closely um, with, with new student programming and, and first year students. And so luckily, um, I've got to gotten the opportunity to work quite a bit with with Neil on, on different projects. So I'm really happy to be invited. Yeah, and we are so, so grateful for you. I know um, we worked with you over the summer on some of our summer programming and stuff, and you've been a great help to our office. So thank you for all the work you do. Um, it's super important. I think I think it's great that you're focused on working in universities um, and with students because that's a whole group of people that I think it's really important to um, spend time focusing on and Definitely. work with those people. And I mean, college proposes a whole different set of challenges. Um, so it's great that we have access here at Pitt to um, people like you who are like knowledgeable in those sorts of challenges and able to assist in like very specific um, issues that a lot of college students might face. Um, 
So I guess my first question for you is, how is the Counseling Center running under the current virtual circumstances with COVID and everything? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really grateful um, and, I, and I feel really lucky that we've been able to continue operating. Um, there was really no disruption in the services that we were able to offer to students, um, which I don't think was the case for, for many universities. So um, there was maybe about a week of transition in there when we were getting all of our technology up and running. Um, but the really cool thing is that we have not lost a single service since we went virtual. So we are 100% virtual right now. So um, none of us have been in the office except here and there since March. Um, and so we're doing everything through um, Skype for business phone calls and Zoom meetings and our TOWL, um, which stands for Therapy Assistant Online. Um, through that platform. And so really the only change, like we're offering all the services we were able to offer before, um, but most of it is, is in, are in these Zoom spaces, these virtual spaces. Um, so I guess, you know, that actually is a pretty big change. Um, it definitely was an adjustment to, to doing therapy over a screen. Um, but I think we've all both students and staff have settled into that. And again, I'm just super grateful that we haven't lost any of our services. We're able to do our individual therapy, our group therapy, our workshops, all of that is, is still in place. A um, couple of things that have changed though, you know, of course, the, the main way that students would connect with us was simply to walk into our office in Nordenberg Hall. Um, and just let us know that they were interested in services. Um, it's still set up in a similar way where students can just drop in to get connected. Um, but now obviously to initiate that, um, you just give us a call at our main number. And then we take care of everything from there. So our admin staff um, will send students um, a bit of paperwork to fill out. That's all electronic. It only takes about 20 minutes then that goes to one of our clinicians who's working the drop-in at the time, and then we give you a call, we send you a Zoom link, and then we go from there. So um, actually for some students, it feels easier to just be able to make that call and connect immediately wherever you are, um, but definitely still operating the way we were before. Awesome, thank you so much. Um, it's great that you guys are still operating in the same way and have all the same resources available. I think um, because this is such like, we've been hearing the word unprecedented all the time, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. but because this is such like a different time and no one, it's constantly changing. We're constantly looking at, um, you know, like elevated to guarded risk and this and that. So I think yeah. it's great to have that level of stability and just um, know that, if anybody does need access to those resources that the counseling center is there and they are still operating um, and it's still easy to access, which I think is great. Um, yeah. So I like the way you put that, that, you know, of all the things that feel unpredictable right now, the, the counseling center is at least one thing you can look at as being stable. We're definitely mm -hmm. still here for you. Right. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I think it's one of the most important things to remain stable, <laughs> too. So <laughs> that's awesome. um, 
before I get into the next question, I wanted to apologize. I had my mic off that whole time. My dogs were going insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's cute. But yeah, so you sort of answered this already, but um, my next question was just about how many students you've been seeing utilizing virtual counseling services and whether you think that has created either like a roadblock in getting help or whether it's made it easier in some respects. And obviously this varies from student to student, but I guess like um, in your experience, what have you noticed? Yeah, you're right. It does vary a little bit. I think some students find um, connecting with us virtually much easier in terms of access or just having a bit of a boundary between us and them to where you know, being vulnerable is easier for them. Um, some students really miss and, and crave that, you know, face-to-face -face interaction. So it's a little bit different for everyone. Um, I think, you know, in terms of adjusting to the, the technology piece of it, doing the therapy over Zoom, to be, you know, totally transparent with you, I think us as clinicians, as therapists, struggled with it a bit more than the students did. Um, we were pleasantly surprised to find that when we, you know, logged on with students and had those Zoom sessions, um, it was more of our anxiety about how it would go than it was about containing the students' anxiety. So I think the students really actually helped to ease our nervousness about how it would go. Um, so that was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, and in terms of like how students are utilizing our services, so we just had a staff meeting the other day and um, utilization is down a little bit. Um, I think we're, from where we were at this point last year, we're down by like 28% in terms of volume, how many students are coming through. Um, however, I think we're also seeing way more students than we expected given the circumstances. And I think as you know, the semester goes on and more students hear about how we're doing things, get familiar with how we're doing things, you know, and I don't know what things will look like in the spring, but if we are still virtual, my prediction would be that we'll be pretty close to where we were in person last year. Sure. Um, so again, we are down a little bit, but um, that's to be expected, just major changes and transitions going on. But we're really encouraged by how students are responding um, to the virtual counseling, to the virtual world. And really, again, I just really want to emphasize how much, I think it's important that students know how much they've helped us ease into this so these new circumstances, because we were very worried <laughs> about that and being able to be good therapists, um, and they've really helped us with that. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, in terms of, you know, that sort of like melt in student utilization of the services, I think um, we've seen the same thing in our office. I think just across campus, um, everything being virtual is, it's just it's upsetting, but I think it's how it is. A lot of students just don't feel as comfortable um, accessing yeah. certain resources. Um, and it's, in some ways it's easier because you don't have to leave the building. You can do it right from your bedroom, wherever you are. But in some ways it's more challenging too because you really need to convince yourself to like make the effort to actually seek out these resources because it's not you're not on campus hearing about it from other people you're not on campus seeing like advertisements um mm -hmm. for 
flyers or anything. You really have to like know where to look. Um, so I think like accessibility is also super important. And it sounds like um, you all at the counseling center are working hard to make sure your services are as accessible as possible, which is awesome. Um, For sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. so I guess in terms of programs and resources available to students that the Counseling Center provides, um, just in case there's anybody listening who isn't familiar with um, the services that are available, do you want to just briefly go over um, what sort of programs or resources are available to students, um, especially virtually this semester? Yeah, so we have, like I mentioned earlier, um, we are offering all the services that we were offering before in person, but of course they are now virtual. So um, one of our, one of the most important services to talk about would probably be our drop-in service because this is the way that you get connected to all of our other resources. Mm -hmm. So um, drop-in, happens every day of the week from nine to four. What that means right now under virtual circumstances is that you give us a call, um, you'll connect with our admin staff, kind of explain what it is that you're looking for or what you need, and then they link you with one of our therapists. And usually in those sessions, in those drop-in sessions with the therapist, which is by Zoom, um, we are sort of talking about what your concerns are, what you've been dealing with, what you're looking for, and then we have um, a discussion about what services or resources might be the best fit for you. And a lot of students who are more familiar with us come in sort of knowing what they're, they're looking for. Um, so the different services that we offer at the Counseling Center, um, of course, we do uh, short-term individual therapy. Um, we offer a number of different groups. Uh, group therapy. So we offer what we call interpersonal process groups. We offer skills-based groups and we also offer support groups. Um, so I'm trying to think about what groups are running right now. So we have a number of anxiety support groups. We have a grad student support group. We have um, a grief uh, support group. Um, we have a couple groups that are focused on skills for managing depression and anxiety. Um, we do have a group that uh, focuses on first year students. It's called Transitioning to College. Um, so that's a good one for first years. We offer that every single fall semester. Um, and there's a bunch of different groups, you know, across the spectrum, you know, in between, but I think those are the main ones that we're offering right now. Um, we also offer a number of different workshops. So workshops aren't therapy, they're exactly what they sound like, they're educational psychoed workshops. Um, and since we've gone virtual, we've actually added a lot more workshops um, so that students can continue to have access to the resources that they might get on campus. Um, so I, I did jot down a few because I wanted to share with you sort of a, a taste of what we offer. So we have a workshop called Embracing Your Whole Self, There's another one called Emotional Regulation, another one called Coping with Racial Stress and Trauma. There's one that's geared towards first year students called So This is College. And right now, obviously, it has sort of a COVID spin to it because 
first years are in a situation that they may not have expected to be in. Um, we have another called health and coping skills, uh, mindfulness and self-compassion. And then another one that I think is really cool, it's called international tea time. So this workshop is specifically for our international students and just sort of talking about the unique challenges that, that they may face and the resources available to them. Um, so on top of that, we also do um, outreach activities. So any student organization, ac academic department um, can submit a request online for us to come in and do some sort of talk or presentation. Um, and you can sort of describe what you're looking for and we'll work with you on that. Um, and then we also have Let's Talk sessions. So Let's Talk sessions, um, when we were in person, we would have a therapist sort of around different places on campus where um, you, know, you could talk to them, students could talk to them for about 15 minutes, just quick problem solving. Um, usually if you had a specific problem or you were looking for a particular resource, that was a good, um, uh, Let's Talk was a good resource for, for, for that kind of thing. Right now they're all virtual, so you sign up for those online. There's a therapist um, at different times throughout the day, each day of the week, sort of on standby. Um, so that's another way to sort of get um, some quick help. Um, so yeah, I think those are the, the main things. Like I said, where you know, everything is still in place, but I think the biggest change is the number of workshops that we've been able to offer. Those have definitely gone up in number. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I had no idea that um, you guys offered so many different workshops. I think the, um, the so this is college one sounds really beneficial to first year students like mm -hmm. you mentioned. Um, and that sort of transitions us into the next thing I wanted to talk about. So if we shift gears a little bit and start to talk about the experience for incoming first year students um, during this time and under these circumstances, and just students in general, not even only first year students. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously being in a virtual environment can pose a lot of different stressors and challenges. Um, I think from my personal experience, there have been two things that have been really challenging for me and I've spoken to some of my friends, my roommates, other people. Um, and I think this sounds like a general, the general consensus from a lot of people. Um, but I think one thing that's been super challenging has been the ability to sort of separate um, school and homework and studying from your personal life and hobbies and hanging out with friends and stuff. Um, because when everything was in person, obviously you could go to class, you could go to the library, do all of your homework, and then you could say, I'm done for the day, pack it up, go home and just relax. But now I think something that, um, I've seen within myself and also my roommates and some of my other friends is that um, there's, it's hard to know when to stop. So people are overworking themselves a lot because mm -hmm. there, there's not that separation. Now it's sort of just, you wake up, you move to your desk, you do your homework there. And then it's it sort of always feels like you have something extra to do. Um, and another thing is, Obviously, it's just a very isolating time. I think um, 
not being able to go out and get that social interaction, especially for people who are naturally extroverted and sort of Mm -hmm. like stay healthy and mentally sane off of like hanging out with people and Mm -hmm. um, having that face-to-face interaction. I think it can be a really challenging time. So in your experience, obviously not just for students either, but faculty and staff too, um, it's it's challenging for everybody involved. So mm-hmm. in your personal experience, what sort of things have you done to keep yourself mentally healthy during these times? And um, what advice would you have for students for doing the same? Sure, yeah, I, I think you're spot on with, with everything you've said. And it, it does seem pretty universal that, you know, students, faculty, staff, you know, people in the world, right, are being impacted in, in similar ways. Um, you know, there is less of a boundary between our personal lives or, you know, our academic lives, our work lives, because we're kind of doing it all in the same space. Mm-hmm. So they start to, like you said, like bleed into to one another. You know, I'm, I've been reflecting, you know, as you were talking, I was reflecting on how important my walk to the office and and from the office back home, you know, that was a really important boundary. I was sort of preparing myself for the day on my walk to my office and sort of winding down and shifting my mindset as I would walk home. And I don't have that anymore. It's like the the way I end my my day is to close my laptop lid and I'm still in the same space. So, you know, what I've had to do and what I've talked about with others is you just have to be intentional about creating that boundary. So when we first went virtual, I made the mistake of moving around my house quite a bit, you know, working in a different space, um, you know, throughout the week, throughout the day. And I thought that would be helpful and it might be helpful for some people. But for me, it sort of felt like it tainted every room Mm -hmm. in my office or in my house. Um, so I really designated a space for my work and kind of left the rest of my house open. I want to recognize though that for first years, most of them are in dorms and they don't necessarily have the luxury of dedicating an entire different room to academic work and, and personal lives. And so sometimes it's just about creating some sort of routine um, or, or habit that helps to create that, that boundary, whether it's, you know, taking a quick walk outside or, um, you know, engaging in some meditation between the time you end class and go do something else, but finding a way to create a separation and setting limits, like you had mentioned, Neil, on how much time you're spending doing certain things. Um, because we do, you know, have to keep those things relatively separate to, to maintain that balance. Um, and you also mentioned, you know, the lack of, of meaningful social connection. Um, you know, we are still trying to connect, obviously, with, with our friends and family virtually. And, you know, some of us are able to, to meet up safely. Um, but right now, it's just, like you said, unprecedented. There, you know, we don't have access to our normal coping mechanisms. COVID has cut us off from some of those and the, the, one of the biggest coping mechanisms students talk about is access to their support network, mm-hmm. um, access to their families, to their friends back home, to their friends here even, it's been, been more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you know, we don't have access to our normal coping strategies and, and, and coping mechanisms, what that does is the stress starts to outweigh our ability 
to manage things. So one thing I've been telling a lot of the students I work with and even my colleagues is that we might have to be creative for a bit and intentional about developing new coping strategies or new coping skills, tapping into new resources. Mm -hmm. So one thing that, you know, has come up for a lot of students is they're having to ask for help in ways that they're not used to. They're used to be able being able to get through things pretty independently. But I have to remind them that this is, you know, again, this is not a normal time. This is not a usual time. And it's a sign of strength to be able to reach out and ask for help, ask professors for some extra time, extra explanation, whatever it might need, reaching out to family, friends, just asking for a phone call, Um, you know, just ask for it. You know, it's a strength. Um, an experiment allows some trial and error with developing new coping strategies. And if something doesn't work, it doesn't ease that anxiety or that stress, you know, don't give up, try something else. You're allowed to have some ebb and flow with that. Um, I think the biggest piece of advice though, especially for first years is to allow yourself to grieve your losses. Mm -hmm. So you know, I doubt this is what many of you imagined when you were thinking about your first year off to college. And so allowing yourself some time and space to feel sad about that or disappointed in that, it's really important to recognize what emotions or reactions you might be having to that. Mm -hmm. And it's okay not to be at 100%, you know, not much about our world right now feels predictable. Or, or totally safe. And so you can't necessarily expect yourself to operate how you normally would. So it's important to engage in some intentional self-compassion um, and patience with yourself as you, as you go through this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, that's super valuable information. Um, and I think I wanted to specifically point to two things you said. First, um, that transitional period from home to the office for you you mentioned was really helpful um and yeah Yeah. I'd I'd never thought about it that way but I think um that I also really valued times like that um Mm -hmm. that I completely I I've never looked at it like that but um I think one thing that I started doing just recently over the past few weeks this semester that's been really helpful for me is um creating that same sort of buffer period where I can um, I've been trying to force myself to get out of bed a little bit earlier so that I have time mm-hmm. to physically go outside, go for a walk and just like prepare myself for the day so that even though when I come back and I'm still in the same physical space, I'm in a different mental space and I feel better equipped to like tackle classes, homework, work, all that stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's been definitely super beneficial to me. Um, and I think another thing that you mentioned was um, having to develop new coping strategies. And I think one of the biggest challenges about this virtual environment is that um, we do, like you said, need to adopt new coping strategies and figure out new ways of doing things. But the positive side of that and the flip side of that is that we have more time to do so. We have more time to figure things out. because we're not going out as much and doing things like in the real world, so to speak. Um, right. <laughs> so I think one thing that I learned over the um, the past, the summer and then this semester um, 
and I had no idea beforehand, but I found meditation to be really, really useful for me and something mm-hmm. that I've been using. I try to use every day, if not every um, few days, that is a really nice way to just de-stress and decon. what's the word? Disconnect, De- that's the word. Disconnect or decompress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and sort of just disconnect from all the stressors and everything. So, um, and that's something that I wouldn't have learned or even tried if I didn't have so much um, time to like think and reflect. So I think mm-hmm. it, it it's really challenging, but it also um, is an opportunity to look at things a different way, try new things, experiment, like you said, with new coping strategies and everything. Um, so I think that's one plus side of it. Yeah, I like the way you've reframed that into an opportunity because to add to that, like once you develop those coping skills, you know, they won't just be useful during COVID. You'll, you'll be able to take those forward with you and then have, you know, this sounds sort of cheesy, but more tools in your toolbox, right? Moving forward. Um, Mm -hmm. And that can only serve you well. Definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, So I guess shifting gears one more time, going back to logistical stuff. I think one question that I know people have asked me a lot, and I'm not sure of the answer myself, but um, I know a lot of people are curious about healthcare coverage, insurance, all that stuff. So if there is anyone listening who is interested in reaching out and um, asking for help and sort of getting involved with some of the resources um, that you had mentioned beforehand, um and they're wondering like how the insurance situation works healthcare coverage all that stuff um could you just touch briefly on like the i guess the expectations or the mm-hmm. the process for going about doing so if that makes sense yeah and and hopefully i have a um answer that will make everybody feel better because we don't take or use insurance for our services at all. It's not something you need. Um, It is included as part of your experience as a student at Pitt. Um, It's part of your tuition. Um, So it's something you've definitely earned. And so when you use our resources or our services, please don't let insurance or finances be a barrier because that, you know, is not something um, that we have to deal with. We're very lucky. Um, the, the case is a little bit different for student health. So student health, I believe, does require students to use their insurance, but they um, accept almost every insurance, I think. I don't think they have too many issues with that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would add, though, is that if we, if you know that you are looking for longer-term therapy, or if you are looking for um, more specialized care or a higher level of care, um, typically then um, insurance comes into play if we're referring you or helping you with referrals out to the community. 
Um, but the good thing is that we have a pretty large um, referral database that we use called Thriving Campus, which all Pitt students have access to through our website. So if you're pretty savvy with, with those kinds of things, um, you're free to access that on your own to look for services. But we um, work with students a lot using that database. And one cool feature of that is you can uh, filter by the type of insurance that you have. And so what shows up for you are options um, that accept your insurance. So that makes it a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, when it gets tricky is when students have insurance that is specific to the regions that they come from. Um, so like I know there's an insurance um, from the New England region that, that some students have that only covers services in New England. Mm -hmm. um, so we can work with you on that if you're looking for something in the Pittsburgh area. Um, sometimes it's a phone call to your, your insurance and we, again, we help you with that. We don't make you do that on your own because it can be pretty complicated. Mm -hmm. um, about getting temporary coverage in this area, they do that sometimes for college students. Or we try and link you with agencies that have alternative payment options or free services. Sometimes that might mean connecting you to um, Pitt Psychology Clinic or Duquesne Psychology Clinic, something that doesn't, you know, cost money, um, but it's a training program that helps out doc students in the area. Sure. So definitely for our services, you don't have to worry about that. And if we are referring you to the community, we'll walk you through that process. That is awesome to hear. I know, um, I know for me last year, I wanted to reach out and access some of the resources available. And I'm from the New England area. And I think I actually have that insurance <laughs> that you're talking about. Uh -huh. um, and so I didn't even try because I was just assumed that it wouldn't work. So it's great to hear um, that you all at the Counseling Center will really help students navigate that process together because it can be really daunting and yeah. really, um, intimidating, especially when you think you'll have to do it by yourself. So, so my last question awesome. is just, is there any other advice that you would give to first year students listening, anything else that you would like to add that we didn't get to discuss already? I think I just remember my, my first year of college. So I was a first generation college student, an only child. And so my first year of, of college was pretty tough. Um, and I was a pretty timid person back then. And so I was very reluctant to reach out and, and ask for help or, or, or get support. Um, and, you know, just sort of assumed that I was alone in, in what I was feeling. Um, and, you know, throughout the next three years, you know, I remember feeling a lot of regret that I, you know, hadn't reached out for help. Um, because once I did, and once I discovered that resources existed, um, things got so much better and, and so much easier. Um, and I also discovered, and even now doing the work that I do, that I certainly wasn't alone in the things I was feeling. And, uh, you know, things are, are more universal uh, than you think. And even if we put COVID in the mix, um, you know, the, the whole country, right, the whole world is going through something together right now. So, so you're, you're definitely never alone. And, um, 
I think the important thing is just to take advantage of those resources that are available to you. Reach out to us, even if you feel like, mm, maybe I can push through this or maybe I can handle another week of this. Like, why not just find out what resources are available to you? It's definitely a strength to be able to, to reach out. You know, don't feel like you have to go through it on your own, especially now. Um, given our, our circumstances and, and the environment that we're in right now. So yeah, just know that it's a strength to ask for help and, and to reach out. And you know, if you feel like there are any barriers or challenges there, we will definitely help you work through them. Awesome, thank you so much, Ashley. Um, we really appreciated you joining us here today for this podcast episode. Um, to anyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode and hopefully you found it helpful. Um, so stay tuned for more episodes on topics such as global citizenship, um, Pittsburgh food and culture, and even more, all of which um, are featuring other amazing guests and first-year mentors. Um, so thank you everybody for listening and hail to Pitt. Thanks so much, Neil.